0: hey everybody welcome to another episode of burke reviews movie club this week we are doing train spotting um which is a danny boyle film from 1995 96 96 it's 96 um and uh, with you this week as always is me jonathan burke and
1: Corey star hello hello
0: how's it going Corey? good we're actually pretty rec- good. <laughs> pretty good. Well, we're, we're recording this a little earlier than normal because Corey's going to some music festival this weekend. What's that about?
1: Woo! Um, Tree Fort and every year, um, it lasts from like Wednesday to a Sunday, always like the last week of March. But each year we just keep getting better and better artists, which is pretty exciting because there are no cities close to Boise, so it's kind of out of the way for bands to like travel here. So, um, pretty excited. Like getting Mac DeMarco, Angel Olsen, getting a lot of great bands that I don't know, you know, when they would come here otherwise. But mm. pretty
0: excited. I don't know who any of those people are, but that's great. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but you know, it is. Um, we decided to move up the date uh, for the podcast so that we could I could accommodate Corey's schedule because uh, in the near future I will be attending the Florida Film Festival. So, we'll have to record probably early that week as well. And then, uh, possibly the Star Wars celebration as well. Um, because that weekend is also my daughter's birthday party, which we're taking her to see Panic at the Disco, uh, for what? her birthday. That's awesome. So, um, and that is on a Friday night. So, I just realized that. So, that's on the 14th. We'll have to record earlier doing all of our, uh, behind the scenes content on the mic. We don't hide anything from you guys, we're completely transparent. Um, before we get into our movie for the week, which again was Train um, we are going to start with, uh, our trailer talk for the week, and this will be for films coming out on March 31st, um, the last week of March, and there's a couple of good ones coming out, so, well, I guess maybe a couple's generous. Um, we'll start with the companion to what's, what we watched this week, which is Train Spotting 2, um... Corey, what do you think about the trailer for Train Spotting 2?
1: I have been pretty hyped about this movie. Um, and I was just thinking about this last night when I, or yeah, I think it was last night when I rewatched um, Train Spotting that, because I hadn't thought about it before, what exactly would be getting Mark to go back home. Mm-hmm. And I'm figuring something must have happened to his parents.
0: That would make sense. Um, they, else... Oh, go ahead. No, no. Uh, go ahead.
1: I just can't see him going back to all of that without, A very big you know valid reason but um i'm hoping i mean it's the original cast and obviously the original director so i'm hoping that it you know translates well i think that it will
0: well from what i've heard uh it's it's getting positive vibes and feedback because it is playing in some markets right now um it it looks really good in the trailer i think it, it looks like it captures some of the same um tone from the film uh you know, there is this comedic sense, but there's also a, um, you know, uh, cynical element to it. And yet there's fun. The music in the original film is really great. Um, and I think uh, the trailer really seems to capture the, the the feeling of this movie in the new one with the idea of addiction. But this time, you know, he's a, an adrenaline junkie, which is a compelling twist. You know, he's still an addict. He's just a healthy addict instead. Um, but it could be, too. Uh Big B is most likely just getting out of jail, and he, um in the last sequence, he says that if he got caught with this amount of heroin, he would probably do fifteen to twenty, so it's not impossible that he ended up still getting fifteen to twenty just given the r- armed robbery and whatnot so um it could be that Big B's like summoned him or something now um there's definitely gonna be a confrontation with that because you know he's well we won't say exactly what happened in train spotting just yet we will in a minute. But there does, there's a uh, cause for that um, in the second movie.
1: Same um, screenwriter, too, for this one.
0: Yeah, yep. And Boyle's involved with the script, I think, for this as well. And this is also based on a novel, much like the first book by the same author, uh, is my understanding that there is a Train Spotting 2 book, too. So All right, well, Train Spotting, we're both looking forward to seeing. I don't know that it's going to still come close enough to me to be able to see it yet. Um, it, it does not have an official. 31st release date on Box Office Mojo, which is usually where I get the dates. Um, and looking at Like Fandango on the 31st is not showing anywhere near me yet. So it's it could still happen, but I'm going to hold my breath and I'll probably gonna have to make a drive for this one. But next up is an animated movie called uh, The Boss Baby starring Alec Baldwin. Um, I think it looks absolutely ridiculous and i have no interest in seeing the boss baby what are your thoughts
1: i actually laughed pretty hard at a couple of things (laughs) so i still don't think this would be one that i watched but it it looked more entertaining than i was expecting i was kind of wondering what are you making me watch
0: (laughs) but yeah the best trailer i've seen for it um is in front of beauty and the beast um Mm -hmm. they they had a special cut of the trailer in front of beauty and the beast where um it starts off with the baby playing with Cogsworth and um uh, Lumiere from the animated one and talks a little bit of trash towards Disney and then cuz it's you know it's a um Dreamworks Dreamworks picture and so he talks a little trash about Disney and then uh it's pretty funny. I mean Alec Baldwin is funny. Uh I just I just don't like the premise of this film. Um I'm sure there's moments that would be funny. I just I don't think they're going to be anything outside of what we saw in the trailer. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I do like uh, It's not because it's animated. It's just the premise of the animation that I'm just like, I don't want to watch that. Um, so I'm a no-go for Boss Baby Corey's a little nicer about it than I am, but still not planning on seeing it. And then the big release, the controversial release, um, to some degree. I mean, controversial. It seems like it's died down. No one's really talking about it anymore. But Ghost in the Shell.
1: I actually um, was a little, mm, you know... I'm probably going to have to go check this one out by myself. Bill has no interest in this. But I really like Scarlett Johansson um, when she's cast correctly, which I think that um, they've been doing a much better job of doing for a while now. Um, I really, really, really like her. And um, that the mask, I don't even know what's happening because I've never seen this anime. But that mask, the red and white mask, mm-hmm. is terrifying. Okay. Um, And then I'm going to just say this. I hate that cover of Enjoy the Silence. It's awful. Oh. So bad. And then um, I didn't know that Michael Pitt was in this movie, and I'm even more excited now. I had no idea until I rewatched a trailer tonight. Ah. And then I was like, no, duh. He's the one that's narrating.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I, apparently
1: he's playing the villain.
0: I am planning on um, watching the anime before I see this um. It is on stars, and I'm going to try to check that out this week. Um, my daughter's also interested in it. I am a fan of Scarlet Joe, or Scar Joe. And um, it looks entertaining. I mean, I, I've heard nothing but great things about Ghost in the Shell as an anime for a long time. It's been one of the most revered and loved. Um, I just never got around to seeing it. And uh, what I've seen in the trailer looks interesting. Um could be really good it could be off and obviously when i made the comment about being controversial there was a lot of controversy about scarlett johansson being cast as she is a white person in a what should likely be an asian role um and there was some talk early when in the production that they were using cg to make her look a little more asian and i i don't see that i don't either so i don't know um if that happened or if that was just discussion or if that was like a fan theory um, if, if it is, it, that's wrong. Like, cause that's, I watched, uh, Lawrence of Arabia last night for the first time, which was great. Um, it, it's a little long, uh, for my taste. Three and a half hours is, is a lot to sit through. Um, but what I was surprised is, uh, we saw in the opening credits that Alec, Alan Guinness was in it. Alec, Alan, Alec? Oh boy, I'm gonna look stupid for a second. Obi-Wan Kenobi from the original Star Wars trilogy is in it. And I'm like, oh, exciting. And then he's playing an Arab prince. Alec, it's Alec Guinness. Um, I'm very tired because I stayed up watching Lawrence of Arabia last night. Um, Alec Guinness is playing an Arab prince, meaning he is in brownface. Um, and I was like, "Oh, 1962. I guess that's that's still acceptable." Um, you know, it, it's it's you know it, it is it's been a thing in, in film, and and it's, people still debate the merits of doing it. Um, obviously, if there's someone of the ethnicity that can be cast, that makes more sense than. Um, than taking a white actor and, and turning them into the ethnicity. Um, you know, I've heard arguments made that, oh, well, that's part of acting is being something you're not. And it's like, yeah, but again. Um,
1: I can appreciate wanting that representation, though.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, because if you're an actor with that, you know, who is that ethnicity, you want the job. That's, that's, that is a job made for you, apparently, you know. Um, well,
1: and... I'm not to go off on a tangent, but I'm sure that you've seen like interviews or articles or different things where also people of ethnicities get typecast and it's kind of racist. I'm forgetting Definitely. what interview I watched recently, but and I'm forgetting his exact, you know, um, but he was showing different pieces of scripts he had gone in to try to get the part of and it's like needs um convenience store worker needs heavy accent mm. and things like that so you know
0: yeah and you know um a and has the show master of none that touches on the subject in a really interesting way uh and definitely worth a watch um but we're not going to get hung up on that but that is the the big issue that was floating around ghost in the shell although i I do think it's faded out i haven't heard many people talking about it i've heard no talk of boycotting it or anything like that so whatever issues there were initially it seems like it's either died down or people don't care about the movie enough that they don't want to talk about it it's either either or people are just like oh it looks good i don't care that it's she's been cast or oh i don't want to see this anyways regardless of who was cast so one way or the other we'll find out how it does in the box office next week but um, the trailers do look good and they've definitely have not uh been cheap on the the marketing. There's been tons of commercials and trailers for this film, so I, I think it'll have a decent turnout. Nowhere near the Beauty and the Beast turnout or the um uh Logan turnout for this month. But I have to say though, um Power Rangers comes out uh Thursday, uh this week, which again we're recording this early, but um I just saw a new T V spot where uh one of the guys it was in the Zord and started like dancing, and the Zord was dancing, and I was very not happy. Um, so also the Honest Trailers. I don't know if you ever watched Honest Trailers on YouTube, Corey. Have you ever checked those out?
1: I think that you've shown me a couple, but it's definitely yeah. been a while.
0: I'm, I'm a fan. Um, it's a Screen Junkies, uh, YouTube video, uh, that they do. Screen Junkies has a lot of movie related, uh, content. Um, they also a podcast. Um, and their Honest Trailer they did for Power Rangers 1995, the, uh, your first movie, which I saw, and I'm sure I watched dozens of times because I really liked Power Rangers when I was a kid, and I don't remember it apparently at all because when they showed the the, the Zord in that, how bad it looks, like I was like, man, if I I swear I wouldn't have watched this if it looked that bad, so it was kind of shocking. Um, but uh, it, it, they're funny; it, it, they cut up some good stuff and make it you know entertaining. But I don't know if they only had one movie. I sw- I, I felt like they had two. And maybe I liked the second one better or something. I don't know. The first one looked pretty rough.
1: You just erased it from your memory.
0: That must be it. Like, is, it's got Ivan Ooze is in it. And I remember when um, X-Men Apocalypse was coming out last year, everyone was comparing um, Apocalypse, the look that of Oscar Isaac's character Apocalypse, to Ivan Ooze. And man, sure enough, seeing it again, I was like, oh, yeah, OK, I see it now. I, I didn't remember Ivan Ooze. I'm like, who's Ivan Ooze? I don't remember that at all but um he was it was a character for the movie i think i don't think he was ever on the show um but all right that does it for trailer talk for this week so three movies coming out potentially more likely just uh the boss baby and ghost in the shell will be completely wide and hopefully train spotting 2 will be around um of the three that's definitely the one i'm the most excited for train spotting 2 but i'm also uh being wise to guard myself with anticipation of it not being in my local theaters um, but hopefully soon enough. All right. Um, I did notice, though, that Train Spotting 2 is longer than Train Spotting 1. Uh, the first Train Spotting is listed at an hour and 34 minutes, and the new one is listed at an hour and 56. So they added 20 more minutes of content, which is interesting. Um, real quick, uh, before we get into our kind of review and discussion of Train Spotting, uh, Corey.
1: All right, guys. We are going to spoil this movie if you don't want it to be spoiled. Um, go check it out, and then you can come back and listen to us afterwards. If you don't mind spoilers, we'll see ahead.
0: And um, if you're new to Movie Club, here's how this works. Uh, at the end of this episode, we will be announcing what film we're watching next week, um, which I thought we didn't for a second, but I do remember now what we're watching, so it all worked out. But um, at the end of this episode, we'll announce what film we're going to be watching for next week, and the idea is that we want our listeners to watch the movie, too. Um, submit their reviews, or at least their comments. They liked it. They hated it. They couldn't believe this one moment. Um, you can use a hashtag MC, whatever movie we're watching, um, on Twitter, or you can email us and we'll give out our addresses and and Twitter handles at the end of the episode. Um, but so this week we, because we're recording early too, we definitely have nothing from our, our listeners, something we hope to, uh, increase as the episodes get, um, going. This is only our 12th episode of this particular podcast. So, um... We'd love, though, for uh, anyone to watch uh, the film and give us their thoughts, even if it's a movie we've already done. So, like, if we watch if you watch Trainspotting after listening to this episode or you stop because Corey just gave you a spoiler warning. and Now you're listening to the episode. You can still tweet at us or email us your thoughts and we might mention them on another podcast uh, later in the future. So Trainspotting is from 1996, directed by Danny Boyle, uh, written um, by John Hodge and based on a novel by Irvine Welsh. Um, it stars Ewan McGregor, Ewan Bremmer, uh Bremner, I'm I'm gonna butcher Spud's name, Johnny Lee Miller, um, Kevin McKidd, uh Robert Carlyle, who is um the the most famous to me out of the guys in this movie, aside from Ewan McGregor, obviously. Um and then Kelly McDonald, who is Diane. Um you might know Robert Carlyle from uh Once Upon a Time. You ever watch that show, Corey?
1: No, but he's also in 28 Weeks Later.
0: Correct. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, too. Another Danny Boy. Oh, sorry. Out. Oh, no. No, no, no. I, it wasn't like a spoiler or anything. But um, my wife got into Once Upon a Time maybe two, three years ago. And I caught epi- – just kind of like she's watching Shameless now where I catch a random episode with her. But I don't – she's just, you know, powering through the seasons. And I am like, wait, what's happening? Oh, well, I don't care. Um, I did that oh. with Once Upon a Time. Uh, it's not even that I don't care. It's just – TV is uh, too big of a commitment. I prefer a movie. Sit down, watch it, walk away. Um, but I I recognized him. Uh, he doesn't. He actually is much more recognizable to me in Twenty Eight Weeks than he is in uh, as back as Big B. Um, in this film, because I think it's the mustache. He just looks different than he does on because uh, he's stiltskin in Once Upon a Time.
1: Oh, also when I was in middle school, I think the Full Monty came out.
0: Ah, yeah, I remember. I never saw that, but I remember seeing the trailer for it and stuff.
1: I watched it too many times. Probably a little inappropriate, but huh.
0: yeah, because isn't it about male strippers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's
1: like supposed to be kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they're not like attractive male strippers either, right? <laughs> like they're like normal looking guys.
1: They're yeah, they're like normal guys.
0: Well, the uh the IMDb summary for Train Spotting is Renton deeply immersed in the Edinburgh drug scene. Tries to clean up and get out, despite the allure of drugs and the influence of friends. Um, this is my second time watching this movie, and Corey, do you know how many times you've seen this? No. Ah, but I think, I think four. Okay, so still not excessive, which is why we agreed to do this one. We usually try to do movies that we've only, we've never, one of us, sorry, one of us have never seen, or we've only seen a, uh, a few times, and I've only seen it once, which was last year, and in preparation for the sequel, I thought it would be good to watch it again to uh, refresh my memory. I wasn't sure when it ended. Um, I couldn't remember what I had rated it originally, but I kind of, you know, made my note of what what I was feeling. And sure enough, I actually feel the same. So I'll talk about that um, at the end of the episode when we give our overall rating. But what we'll do is uh, we'll kind of just go through things we want to discuss in the film, um, our overall thoughts, and uh, anything in particular that stood out while kind of going through the plot. We're not looking to uh, give you the whole movie. If like if you don't want to watch it, we're not your cliff notes version of it, but um, we will discuss many plot elements and possibly the complete ending, and thus the spoiler warning. So, Corey, my big thought about this film is just how visually stunning so many of the scenes are. There's so many cool visuals. Um, that well, I'll get into specifics, but Danny Boyle's uh, you know, method of showing us the story is what really makes this movie memorable to me more than anything else. Like, I mean. Uh and McGregor's performance is great. I did realize about 20 minutes in that I needed closed captions for this film because I had no idea what they were saying. Um and the closed captions still were challenging because they were flying on and off the screen because they talk so fast.
1: And um, agreed. I'm a nerd and I always watch with I oh, when I am able I like to always watch movies with um subtitles, even shows. But I also noticed while, like, listening and then watching, they changed some of the words. So I don't mm-hmm. know if that was to be like, ha, 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 you dumb American. <laughs> like, this is what that means. Or, you know, whatever. But they have very, very, very strong accents, and it's a little mm-hmm. hard to keep up.
0: Yeah, strong accents with rapid dialogue, so it makes it it makes it hard to, to hear everything. Um, I definitely feel like I have a better understanding of, like, certain plot points this time around than I did in the first I mean, the overall plot, you could you could watch the movie without audio and kind of get the gist of what's happening. Um, it's not a super complex uh, storyline, but there's little little moments of like understanding why this character is so affected as they are or why they do the things that they're doing that I had missed the first viewing because I didn't use closed captions that I definitely think uh, having them on helped me this time around, which oddly enough, i my friend and I that did Lawrence of Arabia the other night, um, we used closed captions because. The sound on that film, they're in these giant like, bo- like rooms, and it's so echoey, and they have British accents. Well, many of the characters have British accents. Some have uh, what are supposed to be Arabic accents, but n- not necessarily. Um, and we were finding it really hard to hear what they were saying because of the echo and then the accent. It was just like the accent was compounding on top of itself, and we're like, I, I don't know what's happening. So closed captions went on for that film, too. So apparently I'm just showing my American that I don't understand accents. In no way am I saying that they're bad. I just I have a hard time deciphering them. Now, I was a musician for a long time. My ears definitely have some damage. Um, and so I think that plays a factor into it as well. But, yeah, um, watching this movie with the subtitles definitely helped. Although, like I said, and like you pointed out too, so like some of the words definitely were changed. Because I'm still listening. I didn't have the subtitles on and on mute or something. Like, I'm listening... And it was just helping me uh, kind of pick through the the stuff that I didn't understand. Um, but the visuals in this film, um, there are so many cool moments that we'll get into specifically. But my overall thought, that's what I remembered from the first viewing and what I really walk away with the second viewing is just being kind of blown away with Danny Boyle's approach, especially um, if you watch Steve Jobs, which I love. I really love Danny Boyle, Steve Jobs. Uh, but it's visually much more straightforward of a movie. Like there's nothing I thought was like particularly um out there or and and same thing i mean really 28 days later while an awesome movie uh tonally especially like the movie's horrifying but there's no like crazy visuals and it it doesn't call for it um this movie does because the crazy visuals are always supposed to be like through the perspective of renton um who's going through heroin withdrawal or heroin use and so we're always seeing these craziest the craziest stuff going through him and as a person who's never done drugs Um, I can only assume that's what it really looks like. I'm not really sure. But in my head now, that's, that's what I think of.
1: Um, I love 28 Days Later. I feel like that movie has a very muted, um, like, look to it. It's Mm. almost gray to me. But then there's lots of red.
0: Yeah, the red, the red really pops in, in 28 Days for sure.
1: Um, but agreed about this movie being visually stunning. And this is one of those movies that I feel like no matter how many times you watch it, every single time you watch it, you're gonna pick up or notice something different that you haven't seen. I know that again last night watching it, there were things that I hadn't noticed. and yeah. it doesn't have to be something that's like really big plot wise, but maybe it is just something visually or uh, I don't you know.
0: Definitely, um, I definitely picked up on a few things uh, this time around that I didn't. For one, um, this movie at an hour and thirty-four minutes, it, every scene is packed. Like there's so much going on that it when the uh, the first real amazing visual and yet disgusting visual scene that comes up um, dealing with heroin is uh, Renton going to take a crap, um, and he goes to the nastiest bathroom, and they literally say it's the the worst bathroom in Scotland. Um, and he has suppositories in his butt, uh, like heroin suppositories, which I guess are a thing again, not really, uh, an expert on drugs here, but, um, he has to crap, craps out the suppositories. I'm getting sick even trying to describe the sequence, but, yeah. um, he has to reach into the toilet and I, I look away, I'm ugh, nauseous. Okay. <laughs> um, but he ends up falling into the toilet, which is then just in this big, like ocean, beautiful body of water. And he emerges from the toilet a few moments later, having recovered the spot stories. But it's filmed in such an interesting way, and I almost I don't know how they did it. I really would like to see like the making of that scene, and like how he they they got Ewan McGregor to appear to be emerging from a toilet. Um, but it's such an interesting scene, um, and it, I didn't remember how early in the film it was. Like I remember the scene like horribly vividly, um, but I didn't realize how quick in the film. I mean, it's within the first fifteen minutes I think that we're in the ce- the scene. Um, and it's because the the it's packed with so much content like the film just moves there's so much going on in every scene um it even it opens with a later scene in the film um where we see renton and spud running away from what appears to be authority figures and renton gets hit by a car that's the opening sequence which doesn't get explained until much later as to what they were running from and what happens from that moment um but with a with an amazing opening monologue right
1: I love that opening, and I love the soundtrack to this so much. Um, and something I was a little worried about was when seeing the soundtrack for the second one. I haven't listened to it yet. They released it ahead of the um, T2, but I haven't listened to it. I'm going to wait. But um, I like that they still kept like some of those older artists that they had on the original soundtrack, but they brought in some new artists. Um so I thought that was pretty cool, but I love that opening scene. It's one of my favorites in that I've ever seen. I'm pretty sure. Well,
0: but- it's the <laughs> the choose life monologue, which is supposed to make an appearance in T2 as well. Um, Danny Boyle was on the Nerdist podcast talking about it that he he does include the speech. It's it's a little different, and it's a different person delivering it. It's Renton delivering it, but he's not the same person he was in Train Spotting One as 20 years has passed. I mean, that's what I mean. Like he's matured or changed some way. So the way he gives the speech is different, and his intent behind it, because there's when you listen to it initially, it sounds very positive, like "ooh, choose life," but then he's like, "but it's stupid. I chose something else. I chose heroin," and so there's this like cynical element to it. Go ahead.
1: Um, Oh, I was gonna say I love that, and then at the end, but why would you choose that? Why would you need options when you've got heroin? I'm not a proponent of heroin. It scares the crap out of me. But um, I just it, it it's exactly how you say it's sounds so kind of uplifting and then it's like straight off the cliff um i have seen parts of that um from t2 and i think it's hilarious um and i like how they've modernized it because it's like choose Mm -hmm. facebook choose blah 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 getting likes and stuff like that and i was like i should probably delete my facebook oh no
0: don't do that um (laughs) no but you know it is um It's a powerful opening sequence, and it definitely sets the tone for the film, Um, and for Renton. Renton is an interesting character, because he is our protagonist, The two we're with. Uh, We we hear him initially telling us he's going to quit heroin, that he's done, he just needs one more hit, Um, and then we get his whole, like, withdrawal room set up. He's got his soup, and he's got his buckets, and uh, he's boarded the door up shut, uh, because he's going to be done, but then he breaks uh, he breaks through because he needs one more hit before he's ready to go um before he gives it up which that's when we get into the toilet sequence which is again disgusting but brilliant um the the poop swim as i've dubbed it um
1: i would just like to say that i would probably rather just go in my pants than to go in that bathroom <laughs> and like just the little things that they do visually like the stuff coming up out of the toilet and landing on his hand it was so hard not to throw
0: up yep i don't think i've seen that part because i i'm pretty sure my eyes closed until he starts to go into the toilet and then i'm okay (laughs) but um oh it's so gross um so we have five main characters in this movie we have sick boy Big B, spud renton and tommy renton being our main character and these are his friends um all have some type of arc that happens to them they don't necessarily change But the story that they go through, um, Sick Boys, maybe, there's an element of Sick Boys that's probably the most tragic in the film. Tommy's story is horribly tragic. Um, Spuds is, is sad, but not too bad, and his has a little bit of a happy element. Bigby is scary, um, just outright, like, crazy guy, and we hear that throughout, and in fact, that was one of the things I noticed this time around that I didn't, um, watching it the first time is... Um, there's a lot of references in the beginning of the film that do come back later that I think I missed. Like um, Tommy calls uh, Big B a psycho when he tells the pool story, and then later Renton repeats those words re- describing Big B, um, and Tommy says, "But what you gonna do? It's, he's a mate, you know." And uh, Renton says the same thing when Big B comes to stay with him in London. He says like the exact same lines, which I definitely didn't pick up the first time around, um, and that was I think maybe uh, not understanding what was being said in the movie. So
1: I. And also, when I was re-watching last night, I don't understand why the four of them are friends with him, though. Because, like, they... Well, not all of them, but, like, Mark, Sick Boy, and Spud all do drugs. Yep. Tommy doesn't, but Begbie doesn't either. But um, Begbie is just nuts, and I don't really see what they have in common with him. Like, at least with Tommy, they all, like, soccer. True.
0: Well, you it know looks so like I didn't, Bigby I just played, don't understand, yeah, Bigby played soccer with them too, um, when I watched it the first time, I got the vibe that Big B wasn't their friend as much as he was this guy who kind of forced himself onto Internet. them, yeah, um, and that's not the vibe I got now that I've listened and read the movie, as you know I'm saying, like reading the- the closed captions um, we don't really get much backstory how they all met. I'm guessing they were all schoolmates. Um, and that's just carried over, like, Bigby went his route, you know, Tommy was, stayed the goody two-shoes of of sorts, um, and then the other three kind of ended up doing drugs together, and I think they were just all together as a result, um, because Bigby definitely seems like the type of person that if he wants to be your friend, I don't think you get a choice, like, I think it's, it's you either get beat up by him or he's your friend, and, it, like,
1: definitely someone you would rather be on the on good terms with.
0: Yes, yeah, cuz again while he is psycho, there's definitely some benefits to that because he'll back you up. You know, he's going to defend you or whatever. Um but he's also going to take advantage of you and uh he's even aggressive about how they do drugs cuz he doesn't like that they do drugs. Um cuz he thinks it's stupid and uh they still hang out with him. So yeah, it's 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 definitely a confusing element. But again, I don't think they have a choice. Um with Bigby. I, I feel like that he would beat them up if he, they said anything about it. Um, we get into uh, t- there's the funny scene and then it later turns out to be so um, important. But when uh, Hugh McGregor looking through Tommy's VHSs as while, while Tommy's recanting the story of the uh, pool hall and he finds the porno that Tommy and his girlfriend Lizzie made um, and swaps it out with a different like cassette tape and then takes it home like that when that first happened i thought i was messed up i was like oh man what a jerk uh and also why do you want to watch your friends do it like that's weird um but uh it plays a major role later in tommy's story and it's it's like it's so crazy cuz when when i first saw him doing that i laughed at it i was like oh man what a jerk and then when the uh, happens what there's a sex montage um that's really well done um as most of the characters uh don't get lucky but renton does um, with Diane, Spud falls asleep or passes out, um, and then poops oh. the bed, uh, which is <laughs> disgusting and hilarious at the same time, um, and Tommy goes with his girlfriend Lizzie, and they're about to be intimate, but she wants to watch the videotape of them, and oh man, that's when when that happens, like oh no, Renton has messed up his friend's life, and really does it because it sends Tommy in this downward spiral of awfulness. Um, as Corey noted, Tommy was clean until, uh, Lizzie breaks up with him because of this missing porno tape and that's, it sends him just, his life sucks. He ends up, Tommy ends up dying because he cared so little about anything that he got. Um, this is, I did not know what killed him in the, when I watched it the first time because I didn't understand the conversation. Um, I thought he just like OD'd. I didn't realize that it was from cat crap, um, cause he wasn't cleaning up after his cat. And he got toxicity or, um, uh, I don't remember the word, um, something with a T. It's like some kind of toxin was in his body and he caused him to have a stroke and then he died a few weeks later. You're making faces. Am I saying something really wrong?
1: I, um, well, um, I, there are a few different things. I thought that he became infected with HIV.
0: There were some allusions to that, but that's not what's discussed at the funeral, the guy telling renton at the funeral how he about died the cat. is all about the cat um and there's a word that he uses that essentially it causes like a i think he said an aneur- aneurysm in his brain or something like that which caused him to have a stroke he was in the hospital and it was 3 weeks later that he died after leaving the hospital and they found him in a pool of his own vomit
1: which i thought that could be from uh so but he did contract hiv because
0: the 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 testing is that what, like when Renton goes and gets tested? Yeah. See, that felt so unclear to me of what was being tested. Like Well, oh, go ahead. Well, cuz they he uses the word clear, but they never say what they're testing for. Tommy does sound like he he is he has something um which I guess that they're sharing needles would be the implication and why he might have something. Um like all of them, like the whole group because there's definitely you know, they're all going to the same dude's house, which they call um Mother Superior. And that's where they're shooting up mainly. Um and uh Oh. So they could have got AIDS from that. What's
1: so apparently, um let me pull it up here. Sorry, I thought I had it. Apparently he dies from toxi- toxa toxa da 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 sorry.
0: I don't know how to say it.
1: HIV related toxoplasmosis. Okay. HIV related. So
0: I've I don't know. Well, see, but he the, uh, the character distinctively says that you can get it from cat crap, so I don't know. I am not a doctor, um, but that would make more sense um, given the the whole scene with him getting drug tested because I, I thought at first when they said there's one more thing, do you have to get tested? I thought they were, like, testing to see if the uh, heroin was out of the system, which I was like, that seems weird. But he then uses the word clear, and I'm like, okay, still kind of weird, but, you know, I have no idea. I don't get what's happening, but Tommy looked very sick, Um, so that would make sense. Um, but let's talk about the drug scenes at Mother Superiors, because those are some of the most visually stunning in the film, um, particularly the time Renton ODs, um, and he falls into the floor, and the red carpet pulls into the floor with him, and for the rest of the scene, when we see through, uh, Renton's point of view, we are seeing it through, like, this box, so they clearly made a cool rig on the camera, so we have this red carpeted like narrow view of the world um and renton looks like he's dead um and i love everything about the sequence um because the guy says i'm going to call you a taxi and they were doing this whole um like uh restaurant you know waiter like serving this fancy dinner which is heroin like do you want garlic bread no i think i'll just go straight for the intravenous you know like this funny dialogue leading up to him shooting up which he already done three doses of methadone so I'm pretty sure that was oh, a contributing God. factor of why he ODs. Um, <laughs> and then he falls into the floor. The guy says, I'm going to call you a taxi. Then we see an ambulance coming outside. We hear the siren. So it implies that the taxi is the ambulance. And we see him dragging Renton renting down the stairs. And we see the ambulance drive past. And you're like, okay. And then an actual taxi shows up, which is always so shocking to me. Because I'm just like, wow, I really thought he was joking when he said taxi. I just thought he was using like code. But no, he called it a legitimate taxi. Left money in Renton's pocket for the cab driver, who then dumps him at the hospital, um, and is, is rescued. Uh, apparently, he's saved. They they are managed. To, it looks like they shoot him up with maybe adrenaline um, as he rises up from the dead. And his parents make him go through withdrawals, which is the second visually stunning moment in the film where the room elongates, and then all the crazy stuff he sees, like uh, Bigby in the bed with him telling him off. Um, you know, poor Spud who'd been arrested, sitting on his cabinet um sick boy asking for money i think and then the freakiest thing of all which we haven't discussed so let's pause
1: i want to back up a little bit oh
0: yeah
1: i want to talk about that scene where he's overdosing i also love that scene a lot it looks like he's in a casket that's being lowered into the ground yes
0: yes it does um
1: and so i love that i love that it's shot that way and that it's shown that way I think
0: actually sorry but the you just reminded me like that we see Tommy's casket lowered in the ground and that's a replication of that same moment which is really good point
1: um and then I feel like it's really shitty that I mean he's not their friend he's their dealer but so much of their life is spent with him Hmm, yeah and then he just drags him he literally drags him down the stairs and then drags him out into the street and throws him in a taxi you know. Um, and something else that I think is really weird is that Allison lives there.
0: Yeah, that's the vibe I got as well, that she lives there, given where the baby's crib is and everything else.
1: Yeah, and she's always there. Like, And I know she has a baby, so maybe she can't go out like they do. But all the scenes, pretty much, that we see with her are there. Um, and then I was kind of unclear. Um, the baby dies from neglect.
0: Yeah, which is... Super tragic. Um, in the very beginning of the film, the first time we see them shooting up, we see the baby. And the baby looks very happy. And um, they actually, uh, Danny Boyle referenced that on the um, Nerdist podcast, that they reached out to the the, the baby. Like, now she's 20. Um, and they ha- they flew her out to the premiere and stuff, I think. Um, That's rad. Because they wanted everyone involved in the first movie to be back. So, um, I think there might be a reference to the baby in the in the second movie too um but yeah the baby seeing the dead baby in the crib is one of the most horrific things to ever see um i
1: I feel like it's horrible to say but i'm kind of surprised the baby made it that long
0: oh yeah yeah definitely because the baby's like
1: crawling around the floor with all these needles all these drugs everywhere and then what she ends up dying from, I just can't believe because I'm guessing she's probably like seven, eight, nine months.
0: Yeah, that would be my guess. Um, she look when we find her in the crib, she looks like she's been there for a few days. Um, and it, it's man, they linger on it and they really make you have to like deal with the fact that these people are witnessing this and that for the most part Renton's reaction is I'm gonna go shoot up and that's Allison's reaction too, even though she was screaming apparently for he doesn't know how long he he's like, it, she could have been screaming for weeks. I haven't been paying attention, um, but Allison's screaming. So baby's dead. Uh, we find out that sick boy apparently is the father, given that he was the most emotionally affected by it. Um, and that baby then comes back to haunt Renton during his withdrawals. And it's one of the scariest things I've ever seen as the baby is crawling on a very fake, like no questionly fake baby, but that only makes it creepier um, crawls across the very long ceiling now because of, again, the withdrawals we've seen the room elongate, and it's creepily, uh, is moving so slow, and then when it gets over Renton and he's freaking out, of course, completely justified, the baby's head turns around exorcist style, and my god, what, uh, that scene is probably burned into my brain, um, I actually saw that scene before I saw the movie, um, doing some research for my film class, I was looking for, I don't remember what I was looking for that I came across that scene, but I was like, "Oh my god, that's awful!" And like, I'm like, I'm gonna have to really watch this movie because I don't understand what I'm seeing. But it's it's crazy. And uh, you know, when I watched Train Spotting, I knew going in. Like, I I watched it last the first time with my wife, and I, like I told her ahead of time because usually I don't know that kind of stuff. I'm like, "Listen, there's gonna be a scene that involves a dead baby. Are you gonna be okay with that? Because she's definitely not okay with with any any innocent creature being harmed or killed in a film. She gets very upset." so she did watch the movie despite knowing that but um man she was so angry like if those people were real my wife would have taken them all down like <laughs> they would have all been punished um for sure for uh their neglect of uh, a young child um especially for drugs um something that you know uh talk about being selfish but um all right so i think that gets us pretty far into this um that's kind of when they fall um oh, okay, I well I did skip a couple of things I was gonna talk about ahead of time, but um let's is there anything specific you wanna bring up that maybe I've already skipped over or anything?
1: Um something that I love about this movie is I love Sick Boy and Mark. They go back and forth often about movies and music. Uh oh,
0: yeah. James and it, Bond particularly.
1: Yes. Um and then when they're like talking about David Bowie and uh, uh Yep. And uh oh my god, why am I blanking out? Uh, talking about their solo careers and it's not bad, but it's not great. Yeah. Um, um. And I think that is it up to this far.
0: I wanted to mention, and I skipped over um, the sex montage. Um, it couples the audio with a soccer match being called. Like you hear the play by play of a soccer match and it syncs up with the, uh, the sex um, that Renton is having where, you know um, I like when movies do that kind of creative overlap. Uh, the soccer game is of course, the VHS that Renton replaced the porno with which is why we're seeing it um and so it makes sense for that reason and then uh the the words that we hear describing the soccer match describe what we're seeing with the sex scenes um and I have to say and I don't want to get into anything in particular but uh Spud who is passed out his girlfriend undresses him and puts him in the bed and then she takes a dig at him she insults his uh his his size and um, they show it enough that I feel like her her comment was ridiculous. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm dying right now. Um, we see not one, but two different penises in this movie. I didn't remember all of that.
0: Cause... Well, you know what? I didn't remember that either. And I looked up the IMDb parent guy because I was debating on, like, my daughter's almost thirteen. Maybe she needs to see how bad drugs can be, but through this film, right? So I look up the parent guide, and it describes the sex. It says there's a sex montage, but that it doesn't. It just says uh, women straddling men. It's clear what they're doing, and then the, like she didn't watch it with me. Thank goodness, because the scene comes on. I'm like, whoa, this is way more graphic than the parent guide saying on IMDb. Like, because I've seen two penises in this like 40 second montage. And, and a pair of boobs. So I'm just like, they were way off with their parent um, description.
1: <laughs> she is not 15 in real life when this is filmed. Thank I goodness. think she's 20. But in the film, she's 15. And I'm just like, I don't know. Yes. And by the way, I love Kelly McDonald. I saw her in Boardwalk Empire before I saw this film. Oh. And she also, didn't she do, do Merida from Brave?
0: Oh, I don't know. Did she?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. Well, that's awesome. But I... Like her, I think this was her first film, though.
0: It was. It actually says introducing her um on the opening credits. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, and I I like her a lot though. She doesn't get enough screen time in this movie, um, but her her role with Renton's life does seem pretty impactful. Um, yeah, she is Merida, and she's also in No Country for Old Men. She's um, um, Josh berlin's uh girlfriend in the movie, which I didn't put together until just now. But that's awesome, because I love No Country for Old Men so freaking much. Oh, man. She's 41. So, yeah. um, That makes sense. She's 20 then. Um, She does look 15 in the movie, though. Like, she looks very young. Um, Not necessarily initially, but once you see her in the schoolgirl uniform, it's very like, oh, yeah, she's clearly underage. What were you thinking, guy? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That sequin dress, just throw them all off. So, but that montage that then leads into um, because Tommy breaks up with his girlfriend, we get like a uh, them all being much worse addicts than they were. And they go on like a stealing montage where we just see them. Stealing like they walk into a nursing home and just take the TV like it's theirs and they just walk out with it. um, So
1: nuts. And something that somehow I had missed when Mark goes into his mother's room and steals money out of her little coin purse that she has hidden under the mattress.
0: Yep. And um, that leads to them, the opening sequence. This is where we catch back up with the opening of the film. We see Renton and Spud running with looks like they stole CDs or something like there's stuff falling out of their pockets that look like CDs to me. Um, and Renton gets hit by the car. He stops and laughs, which I guess is because he's just surprised that he's not hurt. But then he gets tackled by the, the, uh, <laughs> the cop or security guard or whatever. And we see Spud and him in, in court and Spud gets sentenced to six months in jail and Renton gets off because he's in rehab, which is where we lead to the, the overdose scene. He overdoses right after that he's in rehab. Um, they are celebrating that he's not going to jail and he's like, all right, I'm going to go get high. And even how he does that, because he climbs up on the little wall and he does like a front flip off of it and he lands in uh, Mother Superior's house in this really interesting way. Um, very Jedi ish. Um, Obi Wan Kenobi. Well, there um, you
1: go. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but then it's like how you think about like methadone and how they're trying to cure, cure quotation marks, um, drug addiction with another drug.
0: Well, is, isn't methadone essentially just like pure. Like heroin like meth essentially like i've never i i'm again i am ignorant with drugs i just know drugs are bad okay you should yeah do pretty drugs. much
1: everything i know about drugs i've learned from movies or music so
0: yeah. I, I mean i have had friends like i i had yeah same in my life i had a roommate who i just thought liked to clean my house at three in the morning like i had no clue why I just know that I would go to bed at a normal time and I would wake up and my house was clean like I had a fairy godmother or something and I was okay with that. Um, I didn't know why, though, and I was that naive. And I even at one point caught um, in his room had a mirror, a razor blade, and a straw, which is like the trifecta of of cocaine use from movies. Like uh, I saw it. I was like, hey, are you doing drugs? And he's like, oh, that's not mine. I was like, okay, then. And (laughs) (laughs) just like, bye. Um, well, I mean, to be fair, we had, uh, we were a band, um, so we had a party, and I, you know, it could have been someone else's, like, because people were all over our house because we had a party, and we were, you know, we we were playing, so people could have done anything while we were playing, and I wouldn't have known, he wouldn't have known, and it, it was happening in front of me, and I, I still knew nothing, and I still feel very ignorant when it comes to drugs, I mean, I know, I remember what we learned in, like, Dare, do you remember Dare, it was, like, a program that the police had where they would come to the school, and, like, it was, like, drug and alcohol, resource education or something like that um that's what i think dare stood for and i was like i had the dare t-shirt like i was a part of that but like they they just show you like a box of like sample drugs and they're like don't do these i'm like okay got it no problem <laughs>
1: like, i don't know what those are but yeah um and was who's the isn't it mcgruff uh
0: he was a part of that i think he he was just At kind all? of like the uh mascot for law enforcement in general but um oh. he might have i definitely think he was involved with dare though he wasn't i don't think he was exclusive to dare but Um, so the point of that is I've heard of methadone, I know about it, um, and being a rock musician, I did encounter a lot of people who had done drugs, and I knew people who did methadone, um, or would go to the methadone clinics and stuff like that. Again, I didn't get into details, and often would try to distance myself from that, um, when I could, because I didn't want to get arrested because someone was, I was with had drugs or something either, you know, like, that was always a big concern for me. Um, all right, so we we talked about the the test after Renton goes through the withdrawals they make him take a test which they never say what for but I guess it is implied that it's HIV which makes sense given that they are using needles um Renton moves away um he moves to I think London is the implication yeah I think so um and um he's a, a realtor but like a really bad realtor like I guess works for a kind of shifty company that tries to sell mediocre apartments for like higher end than they're worth or something
1: well, let's be real. It's London, and you could probably sell somebody a house the size of a bathroom, and they'd probably pay whatever you want for it.
0: Well, apparently not, though, right? Because no, one, <laughs> no one's renting that Victorian apartment that they keep pushing on people. So Renton lets uh, – after Bigby shows up and is, like, hiding out with Renton for a while, and then Big uh, – sick boy shows up and is even – what a – he's so in, obnoxious. I love the scene where they're sitting with their fish and chips, and – um. Renton just looks so irritated and so pissed off, and then finally he's like, "I can't believe you sold it. It was mine." He's like, you know, talking about his television, like, "Six yeah. just Sold His TV." Like, oh man, you know. And he's
1: like, "Well, I needed the money." And I'm like, "Dude, you're not paying rent. You're not buying your food." You, A- like,
0: and it's my money now. Like, you sold my TV. It's not your money. <laughs> like, yeah, um, yeah. And you know, so Renton kicks them out and pushes pushes them into that apartment because no one had rented it, and. It works until somebody comes to actually rent it, and then they all get sent back to um, Edinburgh, and that's where uh, the plot really thickens. Um, they've done some stupid things throughout the film, but is this, at this point, um, Sick Boy f- comes up with an opportunity to buy a lot of uh, heroin. I think it's heroin that they're, they're buying, um, yep. and their goal is to buy it for four thousand and then sell it for like twenty thousand because apparently it's a lot. Like I don't know why they're selling it why they're able to buy it for so cheap and then sell it for so much. But um, I am not a drug dealer, so I know not these things. But um, they they do this, and that's where the film takes its biggest twist um, and where it basically ends. They they successfully sell it. There's a lot of mistrust between the four of them. Uh, Spud is involved at this point. Tommy's already dead at this point. Um, there's a lot of mistrust between the four. They have this money. They have $16,000, and uh, Big B acts like an idiot, gets into a bar fight basically stabs a guy with a beer mug and while um they're separated renton makes a joke to spud about should we just run with the money but apparently but go it's ahead. not a joke yeah it's definitely <laughs> not a joke because as soon as renton gets a chance the four of them are sleeping renton gets up takes the bag and it's so sad because he spuds looking at him you know spud could say something spud could yell right then that hey he's taking the money but he doesn't and renton runs out on them and uh he does leave Spud some money, which I do like. That little at the end, the little stinger with Spud opening the locker, um, and and getting his big stack of money. Still, it's not all the money he was promised, but considering everyone else got nothing, so Renton steals sixteen thousand dollars minus probably two thousand or I think a, yeah, um, so fourteen thousand dollars he steals and runs off, um, leaving Bigby to lose his mind because he's a psycho and he gets arrested um sick boy and spud run away spud gets some money but he betrays his friends and that's kind of the lesson that we're given is that he chose life because we get a little bit of the speech again and i love how they end it with it feels like it's a song the way he's like the words rhyme and everything with his last little speech about choosing he wants to be like us he wants to be like the audience he wants to have the you know the normal house the relationship and he just starts listing all this stuff and it's such a cool way to end it mirrors the beginning and it's that weird thing where our, our hero isn't a hero. He's he's kind of a jerk. Yet, I want him to get out of this lifestyle so bad that I'm okay with him being bad. Like, I'm okay with him doing the wrong thing, even though I'm not. Like, I'm not okay with it. I think it's despicable. And, you know, he, and absolutely great. You had $4,000. You could have walked away with that.
1: But my whole thing about that whole turn of events is Begbie... Bigby could have just given – he could have divided the money and everyone could have split up and went their own ways. But he's holding on to the money, so I don't really know if he would have split the money up like he was supposed to.
0: Or if he would have made them, like, become – this is their life now. You buy more heroin and sell it for more and keep the cycle going because that's – generally when you make money, you want to keep doubling the money. You don't want to just sit on it because you're not going to live on $16,000 for very long. No, no.
1: And what horrible friends they were because they knew that he had enough – that he had the 2,000 pounds in his bank account to finish mm-hmm. off the money that they needed to initially buy it.
0: And they knew he was a horrible addict because Sick Boy had basically given up heroin after the baby died. Bigby never did it, so they made Renton try it after he'd been clean for a while. They make him do heroin, which makes him do it a second time. So I, I was curious to see if he would stay doing heroin. Like sixteen thousand dollars would buy a lot of heroin, like you know. Uh, so the Trainspotting too, we're gonna see him twenty years later. Apparently, he's given up heroin, um, but has found you know adrenaline junkie to be his new drug of choice. Um, but my, uh, that's that's the film. It's nice and short. It's very it's entertaining. Every scene is packed full of stuff. There's witty dialogue. Um, definitely reminiscent of the Tarantino style. Uh, as Corey mentioned, a lot of pop cultural references being made and. Um, I love things. I'm a sucker for that stuff because I obsess with pop culture. So anytime a movie brings in things that I'm also a fan of, I, I generally t- tend to uh, get sucked in to the dialogue, even if I don't completely understand what they're saying. Um, the film has some amazing camera work and some really cool visual representations of what it's like to go uh, th- through an overdose or to um, go through withdrawals. Things that, of course, I have no frame of reference It could be completely false, but it's still a really cool visualization, whether it is or not. That is um, Train Spotting. I gave it the first time I watched it, and this time the Not Quite Golden Pony Boy rating. And Corey?
1: This is always so hard for me. I think it's a must see film, but I think for general audiences, I would give it Not Quite Golden Pony Boy also. It's got some hard stuff to watch and absorb. Yeah.
0: And. I think my why it doesn't get the must see for me because I think as a if you're a filmmaker wannabe or are a filmmaker I think there's a there's a clinic in this movie of things to do uh, especially visually, but there it it I think maybe it's the story being so maybe because it's cynical or dark or it's so uh, uneventful because it's it's more of a character study up until the third act where the they start the the heroin deal. Like, if the whole movie was the heist, if that was the whole premise was them figuring out how to get that heroin or something, it'd be more compelling, and it could still be the same story. But because it is such a character study, um, I'm not as attached to the movie as a whole, and that's why it doesn't get the must-see for me. I am very story-oriented. That is not everybody's thing, nor does a movie need to have a really strong story to be excellent. And I think that's where I, what the disconnect is for me, why it's not a must-see because I can't think of anything else. There's nothing really... I mean, there's definitely stuff wrong in the sense of like what they're talking about is wrong. Uh, the baby dying is wrong. But there's no like errors or big movie making. It, it probably deserves a must-see. But if you look at our rubric, the way we break it down, um, I wasn't going to buy this movie. I ended up buying it because it was on sale uh, on Vudu for $5. Um, and I am happy I own it now, though. Because, again, I do think there's some really great stuff in this movie, but... Um, and there's some great performances. Neil McGregor is just so great in this film. And uh, he's an actor that I, I, I don't know, even the the bad movies, because even the uh, last days in the desert where I didn't enjoy the movie, yeah, I, I thought he movie. was great. I thought his performance was really awesome. I just didn't like the movie. So. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, next week, we're going to stay with Danny Boyle. Um, we're going to be watching his uh, Academy Award winning film, Slumdog Millionaire. A movie that I've been wanting to watch since I saw Lion this year, um, because of Dev Patel. Uh, it's one of his earlier films, and um, I remember hearing all the buzz. I can't believe how old it is. I think it's ten years old now for Slumdog, and I, it feels like I just remember hearing about it for the first time. And I've I've had it on my shelf now. I think I bought it at Dollar General in their uh, used movie bin for like three bucks, and what? Uh, it's been sitting on my shelf for at least a year. And I I really do want to watch it, so. Danny Boyle's *Slumdog Millionaire*. Um, if you want to watch it and give us your reviews, you can uh, hashtag #MCSlumdog on Twitter. Um, you can tweet at me at Burke Reviews.
1: I'm at Corey R Star. Two R's on the end.
0: And or you can email me at John Burke at BurkeReviews.com. Go to our website BurkeReviews.com where we post uh, at least two or three movie reviews every week. I try to see the most current films. Uh, Corey and Mike are currently not writing so much. Corey's in college right now, so she's writing for her own reasons. And, uh, Mike, I don't know why he doesn't write. He is busy. Don't get me wrong.
1: Pure pressure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I am always looking for, uh, people who are interested in writing for the site. It's not going to make you any money, but it will help build your resume. So if you're interested in being a film critic and you're looking for a place to get published, I will publish you if you write good reviews. Um, and I'm open to almost any type of review. We are berkreviews.com. It could be anything. It could be books. It could be TV. It could be video game. Um, it does have to be well written. I do prefer that you self-edit. Um, I check for, you know, for content. But if you're interested in doing that, you can. Hit, there's a contact form on our page. You can email me, um, send me a sample of your writing, and I will uh, discuss um, you know, publishing you on our site. That's it for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with Slumdog Millionaires episode. Um, Until then, thank you for listening. Please share our podcast. Tell everybody about us and how great you think we are. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you so much. Um, Corey, uh, thank you for giving up your evening again, and I will see you next week. Bye. Peace, everybody. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BerkReviews.com.